0: You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and today I'm not solo because I'm joined by the navigator of this fighter jet, the goose to my maverick. Andre Silva buddy how we doing
0: we're doing good man doing good just you know got back from the work week I just you know finished up wrapping up a two-part for lockdown ACC people please check it out tomorrow and Friday but I am ready now to solely focus on some FSU football as we are 11 days away Casey Weldon days away from kickoff
1: Casey Weldon days away you know I went to high school with this daughter she was a great athlete she was on our volleyball team I'm pretty sure she was like six foot two um very clear her father played division one sports and actually, what's his name? The punter on that on that national championship team was a teacher at my high school too. I don't. Oh, Keith Cotrell. I didn't remember his name for a second. He was apparently a pretty good punter. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Casey Weldon's daughter went to the Childs and she played volleyball. And I think she ended up playing somewhere out west, like in California, Pepperdine or something like that. But that's not why we're here. We are here to discuss Florida State football. I'm going to lead with some breaking news. As y'all may or may not have heard, Josh Griffiths, the reserve defensive end out of the Starkville er- or Stark area, which is like, I think it's in Bradford County. Maybe it's like kind of between Gainesville and Jacksonville, but not quite to Clay County. Mm-hmm. He is no longer with the team uh, that was confirmed by Florida State, but we don't have really any info on why we just know that he was removed from the roster and a source confirmed he wasn't there. So, that's what we know. If we get more info, we will update y'all. But let's talk about the players who are still on the team. And, Drake, we were in pre-production. We were kind of talking, and we just said, let's talk quarterbacks. I talked a lot of quarterbacks yesterday. We talked about it the day before. But let's be honest. If you're listening to this, and you listen to us Monday through Friday, every Monday through Friday, you can't get enough quarterback talk because what is the point of a quarterback battle if you don't talk about it until you're blue in the face. So, Drake, I'll let you lead. What do you want to say about quarterbacks and how do you want this conversation to go?
0: So, last time I was on here, I think it was what, Tuesday? Tuesday. I said that the reason why Mackenzie Milton wasn't playing in the scrimmage this past weekend was I think that they're arresting all the starters. Therefore, I was the one that kind of named Mackenzie Milton as the starter. I would not be surprised by maybe Sunday night, maybe even Monday, that Jordan Travis is going to be named the starting quarterback. Primarily because apparently Mackenzie Milton hasn't actually, I think, been at practice. I think he might be coming back either Friday or Saturday, from what I'm hearing. I wouldn't be surprised if he, if Norvell names Jordan Travis a starter. Huh. We actually go into Notre and Notre Dame now has to fully prepare for Jordan Travis, and I think he's gonna take the primary amount of snaps at the game. But I wouldn't be surprised if we go with a similar two QB system that we saw how Lane Kiffin used Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley for the first game when they got back. Um, so I. I am right now, I think Jordan Travis is going to be starting quarterback for our FSU against Notre Dame.
1: So that's a total reversal of what we're used to. And I love it because it's a reversal to my original opinion, even though I've kind of, again, come towards the middle. I will say, I don't know if he names one. I've seen a lot of conversation on Twitter, message boards, other podcasts, all this of when does he name a starter? And I just, I think that you're a lawyer, right? Like you understand these things and this it's the same as when you, um, What's the term? Like when you document dump opposing counsel for the sole purpose of just slowing down their efforts to make yeah. their case by the trial date, I think it's the same thing. You are giving them so much more film to go through for these two very, very different players that I think you wait until Sunday to name the starter. I think maybe internally you, you name the starter, but interesting to your point, they with the media were letting us film You know, the first, like, I think it was the first six, seven minutes of practice. Now, as y'all know, I'm in Tampa, Drake's in South Florida. We're not there, but if we were in Tallahassee, they'd let us go there. We can film for the first few minutes. They have said, I believe, no filming at all starting like tomorrow. And they're completely closing scrimmages to the media entirely. They did that on Sunday. I know they're doing that again this weekend. So I think your theory definitely has some credence and some credibility. I just don't think that they would publicly name it before they have to because it makes Notre Dame do double preparation.
0: I personally think that they would do that so that I think they focus a lot more McKenzie on Jordan Travis than McKenzie Milne. My main thing is I think that the staff, they, they love McKenzie Milne. They think he's the better quarterback out of the two, but I really think if you saw with Alex Smith uh, this past year with Washington, he was not the same against an actual NFL team. I don't think it's in the best interest of the staff if Mackenzie Milne has been missing this many reps to have his first in-game action in two and a half years against a CFP contender. I think it will be better if you started him off against Jacksonville State. I think they name him early though, because I think you're gonna still have those red zone. I think once they get into the red zone, or I mean, it's 25, 35, 30 yard line. I think that's when you put Jordan Travis out wide or you put Jordan Travis in the slot. And that way, that's like, goes back to my red zone target there with Jordan Travis. I would see him being kind of like the specialist sort of way. The opposite of the way of how Taysom Hill is run to end with the Saints. Instead of him being a runner, Mackenzie Milton is a specialized passer. So that's kind of how I actually see him moving forward, because that would be very tricky. And that also, if you name a quarterback, you're not going to really plan that far ahead unless, you know, you're a GA at Notre Dame Listen to this podcast right now.
1: Yeah, and honestly, if you're listening to this podcast to get your scouting info, you're in the wrong place. I'm sorry. I'm not saying we're not great. I mean, y'all listen to us. You love us. If you haven't done it yet, go rate us with a five-star review. But like, we're not giving you super inside secrets that you can't find anywhere else to the point where if your job is scouting this team, we should be your go-to source. So you say the opposite of Taysom Hill, but I think you're kind of just describing Jameis Winston last year when, um, I was going to say Brett Favre, when Drew Brees was still there, right? Like how they brought in Jameis during that playoff game with a very specifically designed pass to send over coverage for that touchdown.
0: Yeah, that could be that. I could believe. Honestly, I forgot about that. I was just thinking it's more because Taysom yeah, Hill like, yeah it, they literally yeah.
1: brought him in what like four times during the playoffs, and all four times he threw a pass over twenty five yards. Like he was just brought in to hit the deep ball that Breeze's arm just couldn't quite throw anymore.
0: Yeah, then you know what? He's exactly that. He's like you know the the lefty only guy in the in the bullpen. He literally always only for getting lefties out. He has like a sub one ERA. The Loogie.
1: Oh, dude, you said it. I was hoping you wouldn't because I was going to impress you. Like oh, I, I don't know a I ton saw, about saw, baseball, I saw your face. I but saw I know your what face. a loogie is. Left, I fa- I, yeah. What is it? Lefty only one out guy.
0: Yep. Yep. And I, I saw your face though. I knew you knew him, but you know what? I am just going to steal the happiness away from him. Just I know right of you did face. a little bit. <laughs> and
1: you know what, guys, if your car is stealing the happiness away from you on a daily basis, like every single time you get in it, well, you need to fix it. And to do that, go to our title sponsor, rockauto.com. Great selection, always low prices. But what I love about Rock Auto is it's so easy to navigate. Finding car parts is a pain. You all know that you can go to Jet or you can go to Walmart.com or you can go to Amazon and they probably have the part you need. But if you search headlights 2018 BMW, it, you might get the right one, but you might just get a model number and you're not really sure if it's the right one. You go to RockAuto.com, you go to BMW. 2018 five series and then it'll have all the different components there you go to headlights and it'll have the one you need for your specific year make and model and you don't have to go scouring the internet super easy to navigate that's that's why i use it at least and that's why you should too but if you like things to be difficult to navigate well it's also got the best prices so go to rockauto.com check it out get your parts now thank me later So, yesterday I did a segment, which by the way, folks, I apologize for any audio quality issues. I'd accidentally turned the gain up in my microphone and it got kind of an artificial sound to it, but the content was exemplary, in my opinion, if I do say so myself. So, Drake, I'm going to give you an opportunity to replicate here. Yesterday I did a quick coaching audit and then I talked about my two coaches to watch, meaning the two that are not on the hot seat, but are Like, they're headed that way. I, unfortunately for you, took Adam Fuller, and I also took Chris Marv. So you don't have to go to the offensive side of the ball. You can stay on defense. But other than those two, who are on Drake's coaches to watch?
0: Well, I am going to say Adam Fuller, because I think people that have listened to this show since we started with him almost a year ago. Actually, I think it was like, what, 11 months of the day now. I particularly was very, very was oh, what's the word, not on board with the hire of Adam Fuller, mainly because I thought his track record at Marshall, track record, uh, record I think his Assumption when he was the head coach over there, left a lot to be desired. And on Memphis, too, he was not a great DC. And last year, I saw more of the saying that he was, you know, his resume showed that he is not good at his job. To me, you said that he was almost in the hot seat. I think he's already there. I think Mike understands that, listen, like I got you all these toys to play with now, with Jamie Robinson, Jermaine Johnson, Kier Thomas, Ja'Course McCle- McClellan. He's got a lot of new toys to play with especially also he's got more talent than he's ever had. And whether or not it's an execution issue with the players, or maybe it's a coaching that, you know, teaching the kids how to execute the plays the way he needs them to be run. It's on him. And to me, depending on how the first six games go, I think that's kind of like the litmus test or the sort of like the final stand for him to do. I think right there shows that the litmus it, it, barometer, if you will, the litmus barometer, that's a callback to uh, another show that we did. That's a, I that is a, that is, as, that is as a Knowles
1: cut. anonymous patented, Uh, scientific measuring instrument, instrument
0: right there. It's a deep, deep cut. But the thing is, with like, I think with those six games, it's that's going to tell us a lot about him. And if he doesn't improve whatsoever, I don't even want to be a top top fifty. I want to be, you know, a top sixty, maybe twenty five team in defense. If we're not even close to that, my man, you're out. You're fired. Ejecto cito, cause you're out.
1: No, I mean, dude, I, I. I disagree I think you've got to be in the top 50. I don't I don't think we can handhold another year for the exact reason you mentioned. he has all these toys to play with. If this defensive line lives up to the billing of the talent that it now has, that unit alone should be able to put us in the top 75. Look at the secondary we have. those two units alone even if our linebackers don't play at all. If we have to make the linebackers you know one or two hybrid defensive linemen that back up, and then one or two, depending on how many from the first category, bigger defensive backs, I think we still should be a top 50 unit just based on the talent on the field. So I'm not going to give him any out there. I think it's got to be a top 50 unit.
0: Oh, though, Like you want to be top 50 and he's like, if he's like 75, would you fire him?
1: 100%. After two years. Yeah. I think that the standard is the standard to quote the head coach himself.
0: Okay, no, no. no. I asked like as mainly like, it's more of my thing it's like because you said he wasn't on the hot seat. To me, he's already there. So no, me, so
1: let me clarify that. So, so yeah, what I that's, meant that's by why not, I said that. That's fair. What I meant more was, I can't put him on the hot seat until I see the Notre Dame game because if we hold Notre Dame to twenty one points and we win thirty five to twenty one, well, he's no longer on the hot seat. You know what I mean? So, I, I now if we lose that game thirty five to twenty one, he's on the hot seat. So I think for me, it's a. That game is going to decide for me whether or not he's on it. So I can't really say he's on it right now, if that makes sense, because it'd be so easy for him to get off of it. When I think of hot seat, that means to me you're at the point where like one game's not going to turn it around. He doesn't need to show me six games of great defense at first. If he keeps Notre Dame to, I'd say probably under 30 points and probably under 500 yards with maybe under five and a half yards per play or five yards per play, I'm going to go. Well, he's improved. That's a potential playoff team, and he just had pretty good stats. He's got a a, a, the benefit of the doubt for one more week. Whereas hot seat, it's like, no matter what you do next game, it's not going to change my mind until you string a few together.
0: Yeah, see, the guys are already like there on my eyes, and and more. I'm I'm saying more like at least top 75. Me personally, I want you to be in that top 60 range because if we if you go to top 50, you're jumping up almost 50 spots. And that is a huge, huge, huge jump. I like to me. That's I'm not gonna say it's unfair. I do. I do go where you're saying with the talent level, it should be the case. But we haven't had a good defense since Jeremy Pruitt. Harlan Barnett was decent at it. They, like blow, he, the Harlan Barnett. I could will say this now is a better defensive coordinator than Adam Fuller. I would have no problem saying that whatsoever. But I to make it somewhat fair and more justified for me to fire him outright. At least 60, 75. I'm going to maybe give you one of those early walking papers a little bit. So,
1: yeah. And, and look, I think both are valid opinions. I think for me, I don't. And it's odd because I'm typically the guy that preaches progress, not perfection. But it's Florida State. Your defense has to, should be in the top 50 every year. No excuses. And it's like, yeah, you improved, but that doesn't. Always mean it's good enough here. like if the overall record improves to me, that's good enough for Mike Norvell because we won three games last year. but that defensive unit has to get better substantially. so it's like it's all it, let me put it this way. I'm not gonna let Adam Fuller in the same way that Coach Cutcliffe up at Duke has become a victim of his own success. I'm not gonna let him profit off of his own failure. like just because you were so bad last year doesn't mean I'm not gonna hold you to my my standard this year. You know what I mean? Like, he set mm-hmm. the bar so low. Yeah, you get what I'm saying. I don't I don't need to repeat it five different ways. But let's move on to your second. Who's your position coach to watch?
0: So I'm not going to say Chris Marv. I think you probably put nail on the head, kind of like how – I actually think he teaches the linebackers really well. I think Evan Rice is the perfect example for that. I just think that's more that what you said where the talent is not there that we're used to, like a Christian Jones or a Telvin Smith. I think Stephen Dix Jr. is going to be a great ball player – dj lundy i don't think is that guy yet on um, the recruiting wise for chris marv i'm still these all to be desired but i'm going to go with adam uh, not adam with kenny dillingham actually and I, it's not for the reasons that where i think he's on the hot seat or all whatsoever i do think he actually brings a lot more to than just play calling i think he actually does have a lot of a lot of say with what plays are run with coach norvell that's why he was brought on to begin with i also think that if you see all i've heard is how jordan travis has progressed as a great quarterback and that's a lot has to do with Kane Dillingham because he does speak well with quarterbacks. I mean, Bo Nix, his fir- his freshman year was all SEC freshman of the year for a reason. I think he's a name to be watched mainly because I don't think he's here next year. I think he gets hired as a head coach somewhere else. I think the kid definitely has something special when it comes to X's and O's. And I mean, we've seen his press conferences. The man knows his football. He knows his quarterbacks, he knows his offense. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out, to- goes out to the West Coast where, you know, I think he's an Arizona boy. And I say that also because I think that once he's gone, I think that's when Alex Atkins gets that promotion to OC because he was the run game coordinator and the OC over, I want to say it was Charlotte. So to me, I think Dillingham is the most to watch mainly because it has other dominoes to fall to effect.
1: Yeah. Look, I think that that is, that makes sense. doesn't always have to be hot seat. Sometimes it can be the, you wouldn't call it the cold seat, but whatever you call the positive version of the hot seat. And I said yesterday, I hope he leaves sooner rather than later to open that up for Alex Atkins because I think Alex Atkins is great. My fear, of course, again, as I said yesterday, sorry to be repetitive, folks, but I only have so many opinions. I want Alex Atkins to be the offensive coordinator because I want Alex Atkins on the staff. But there's no real proof to me yet that Alex Atkins will be a great offensive coordinator or that we'll be able to bring in a great offensive line coach. So I have to almost remind myself that him becoming offensive coordinator doesn't mean you get to keep Alex Atkins as your offensive line coach. So you lose him in one sense. He may be a great coordinator, but it is a little, you know, I I want to be careful what I wish for. So I get,
0: no, I get what you're saying, but like, if you see with most coordinators, they still have like a primary position group that they're actually still coaching on the field. That's right. Like I know Nick Saban, even though he's the head coach, he does have a lot more hands on one-on-one time with DBs because he was a DB and that's how he's, what his bread and butter was when it was with Browns, with under Belichick, with Adam Fuller, he is the one in charge of safeties. So that to me shows that when Alex Atkins does go to the OC spot, that he actually still will be hands-on one-on-one with the O-line. And I think we have really good grad assistants to actually step forward in there. I don't know if Chris Thompson would do anymore. I personally— You know, it's funny. I, I wanted to ask
1: that. I was going to say complete hypothetical. Do you think Chris Chris Thompson, who, folks, if you don't know Chris Thompson, because it's easy to get these folks confused, he was the offensive line coach at Texas Christian University before coming to serve on this staff— He's now the tight ends coach and deputy head coach. But that's what I was going to ask. Do you think he'd want to slide back to, like, no. offensive line coach? Absolutely
0: or no? not. I think I think he primarily, honestly, handles tight ends. I think he handles tight ends and blocking schemes. I think he does mainly with, like, Jordan Wilson, you know, Wyatt Rector, making sure that they're able to block on the ends. I think we would either hire someone with him with the grass assistant because I think we actually have a really good support staff coming in. Or he would probably – Look to see someone else that he either trusts really well, or someone they are, he coached before at a different school, and they will come in. That's basically what we did with David Johnson, anyways, and with Kenny Dillingham. So that's kind of how I would see him filling that. Because I don't think Chris Thompson is as hands on with offensive line as we think he is, especially with Atkins there.
1: Well, I'm not saying he's as hands on as I'm. I'm saying he's a proven offensive line. Coach, no, no, no. no, no I just don't. Deputy, I, just, I
0: just don't think the Norville would choose him to replace him at all. That whatsoever.
1: makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I get that. I mean, hey, we could always see if uh, Clint Trickett's still in the market. Rick Trickett. No, no. I mean, Clint, you know, just oh, whatever. Bert, Let's run it back. Try it again. Try Try the younger trick. It's see if he can coach the offensive line better. Okay. Anyway, so guys, <laughs> it's time for one of our favorite segments, the betonline.ag line of the day. We're actually going to extend this one a little bit to give you all some of our picks for week zero and week one, uh, but it's brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you go, make sure you make your account, uh, use promo code locked on, get the The welcome bonus, you put in $200, they'll give you $100, and then you can use that to jump on some of these juicy, juicy lines that we're about to tell you about after this word from our sponsors. All right, so first I want to talk about a line move. We had jumped on them at seven and a half. The line for Illinois-Nebraska has just gone down to seven. So guys, Illinois is a seven-point underdog to Nebraska. They're a plus-225 money line. Here's the problem. Illinois beat Nebraska last year by almost three full touchdowns, and now Illinois is bringing in Brett Bielema, who just got out of the northern division of the Nick Saban School for Coaches Who Can't Coach Good, run by Bill Belichick. So he's a Belichick alumni now. He's coming over to Illinois. And look, bilama I don't have his record in front of me, but he wasn't bad at Arkansas. He wasn't in the long run great, but he had some moments at Arkansas. And we know the guy can recruit. To quote the great Will Muschamp, "Look at his wife. Look at him. Who do you think the best recruiter on this staff is? Guess what? It's Brett Pilma. So I don't know. I've got a lot of belief there. I, this line just makes no sense. It's a, it's a total name game line. Meaning most people look at Nebraska. Most people look at Illinois, and they think, "Oh, Nebraska can easily beat them by 7 They're wrong. I want to tell you to take the points, but I'm going to take the money line on this. I think plus 225 is great value.
0: Yeah, I mean, I already locked this in. I put I put two and a half units on plus seven and a half when we last spoke about this. I already have a money line sprinkle of plus two. I think it was plus 220, if I can bring my book up real quick. But I think Brandon Peters is the better quarterback from the two. I think it was just named the starter today. Adrian Martinez is not a good quarterback. Nebraska, I think, has a lot of stuff on their mind right now. And definitely the first thing you want to do is go to Champaign. It's really difficult to play there. So Illinois, to me, I think is the surefire lock. I think Nebraska is this might be one of the Scott Frost's last games coaching, honestly.
1: Oh, yeah. I think they're definitely going to hit him with the um, what was the guy's name at Florida? Like this guy, he's getting fired for cause. He's getting Jeremy Pruitted, he's getting um, the guy after Must Champ, but before McElwain, McElwain, yeah, he's getting McElwained. They're gonna fire him for cause. There, yeah, there's so much, and you know, we talked about this, or you talked about it in your solo episode, and I t- we talked about it in our group chat. It was the definition of an unforced error. He did something that, not our program, but a lot of programs in the country do. He just got caught doing it. And to me, that's almost worse. Like, dude.
0: Yeah, no, I've always said that these rules are in place, one, because they haven't before, and two, because people are still doing, are still breaking these rules. But there are definitely ways that, you know, you can, you can not read between the lines per se but you can definitely still compete within those rules yeah, and i think nebraska ex- the problem with that is that you do it's really diff it's really easy to not have this issue and you're literally caught on camera in the same video as your ga i'm sorry your analyst is instructing a business group it is literally a head-ass move
1: 100 percent. there's a gray area in which everyone knows you operate in and they turn a blind eye and you still go and get yourself caught it's like We gave you that much leeway. Why did you still get caught? But anyway, let's move on to some more games from week one. I brought up yesterday, I said take Boise State at plus five and a half over Central Florida. I feel really good about that one. That's probably my best pick I've given out on this show, frankly, from my own internal confidence standpoint. I just, Bachmeyer should have a great year. Um, Boise State's head coach comes from the Pac-12. But before that, he coached at Boise, played at Boise. Very much a Patty Fitzgerald type deal there. I, I really trust him over a middling's not even the right word. It's it, literally you're getting Gus Malzahn's version of where Billy Bob Thornton was in his career when he did Bad News Bears. Like, it's just not. I, I can't imagine Gus Malzahn's bringing the energy. And EJ Manuel today in his interview said energy is why I trust Mike Norvell. Therefore, conversely, lack of energy is why I don't trust Gus Malzahn. Drake, what else you got for us in Week One?
0: Yeah, no, UCF is going to beat Boise State by like ten to fifteen points. They have a better quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. Actually, was a Heisman, you know, top five vote getter a few like two years ago. He also yeah. was a top ten vote getter this past year. And Gus Malzahn actually surprisingly does better with quarterbacks that are not pure pocket passers. Look at Nick Marshall in the year that we they play, we played a match championship game. And Hank Bachmeyer actually wasn't a quarterback battle his entire summer. He's not he's not as good as we remember him when he beat us on opening day two years ago. He just isn't. He's not the same quarterback at all, whatsoever. So to I refuse me, to believe that. I gotta, yeah. I gotta believe he was a Heisman winner that day. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, everyone. Like, as to quote Dave, everyone has their Heisman campaign against us the past two. Everyone, years. But, but Dylan Gabriel. I think they beat that. And I think also staying with that kind of thing. I think UCLA actually does cover against Hawaii.
1: She just moved to LA. Goes to UCLA. Yeah, so that's an interesting one there. I don't know enough about UCLA to feel comfortable in taking those points. But I know Hawaii's bad at football, so I'll let that's, you have That's, that's that my logic. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, let's get one more each here for the people before we send them off and let them go about their Thursday. So I'm actually going to riff off of that, and I'm going to go from Week 0 to Week 1, and I'm going to look at UCLA plus 4 against LSU. We talked about this game a while ago, but I didn't realize they played in Week 0. Here's why I think that's important, because I look at it and it's like, all right, I love this line at plus 4. I think... LSU probably starts slow. You know, I don't really believe in Coach O, especially not divorced Coach O. Like, married Coach O was pretty good. Divorced Coach O, not doing so hot. I don't know what their situation is going to look like at quarterback. Don't know what their coordinator situation looks like. The guys, like, I mean, I know who the coordinators are, but I, I don't know if they're great. I don't know if they're even any good. So, I like UCLA at that plus-four spot. What I worry about is UCLA goes out there, absolutely dog-pounds, Hawaii and people see 52 points on the scoreboard and they start thinking oh maybe UCLA is the real deal a bunch of recency bias comes in and that line gets bet down to two and a half and at that I don't really like that line for either side I don't feel confident saying LSU will win that but that doesn't even give us a field goal of insurance on the points so I think I would go not would I think I'm going to place the bet now UCLA plus four against LSU to lock it in before
0: the Hawaii game okay okay uh, to end it off, you know, I'll give one week zero because I think you know we need to give the small school some love. Uh, I'm actually going to go down to the Battle by That is the 9:30 kick. UTEP versus New Mexico State. I'm going to ride with UTEP at minus ten, simply because they won last year, I think, by a total of 17 points. And it might be a rivalry game, but New Mexico State, Max, you know who the mascot is? The Lobos. That's New Mexico. The Cowboys. Yeah, I guess close enough. See, Max does not know. I don't know. I am not picking a team where you have no idea who the mascot is. UTEP, minus 10. Like what we is later. He, what is UTEP? The Miners? Yep. Are they the mi- yes, let's go, baby. Yep. Come yep. on. That's, See, that's even more reason to take UTEP minus that's 10. That's that
1: customizing week one in NCAA 2014 every week for like a
0: 25-year dynasty. Eventually, you make your way around to UTEP, and you just remember they're the Miners. And you just remember they're the Miners. And I'm going to go with a team that we actually do know very, very well. I'm a huge fan of this coach. I think Mississippi Ole Miss a Monday night will cover and actually probably beat them by 14 points against Louisville. I have not been shy about my, I think disdain is the proper word to deal with Scott Sauerfield. I don't think he's a particularly great coach. I don't think they have the quarterback to play for it. They have lost two to Alwell and Javian Hopkins. Lane Kiffin has Matt Corral, who is literally the perfect quarterback for him. Someone that can run around and just throw just bombs every single place. So give me Ole Miss that day to cover by probably a lot but comfortably.
1: Are we hearing anything about the kid that we lost to Ole Miss? Is he going to play Wright this Bumbly? year? John Fumley? No, no, the other the other kid, the the kid we were recruiting last year. He's supposed to be like the next great quarterback. Luke Almire. Yeah, we've already forgotten who he was. <laughs>
0: I mean, Uh, I mean, I I don't think anyone I'm pretty sure Lane Kiffin actually probably has a very, very I don't want to say confusing, but it's probably a lot of plays and a lot of intricate plays in his playbook. I would not be surprised if he doesn't start till next year, because it also because Matt Corral is a lot of people's like draft board as like not a first round pick, but like a second, third round flyer, kind of like Russell Wilson. So you're not going to start a freshman over a proven senior. That's more the thing.
1: Yeah, no, I mean that makes a ton. I just I didn't know if he was gonna play or if we were hearing about him in camp or it doesn't matter, folks. We're not here to talk about what could have been. We're not here to talk about the ones that got away. We're here to talk about Florida State and those are some betting picks for the days before and I guess the one day after Florida State, because we play on a Sunday this year, and that means Saturday, you get to watch every single game. Super exciting. I'm pumped, Drake's pumped, the listeners are all pumped, Holly's pumped, Stacy's pumped, <laughs> Seriously, folks, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Hope you have a wonderful Thursday. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked on Seminoles.
0: Take care, buddy. And FAU, cover please, plus four and a half Yeah, yeah, I don't, dude, that's going to be that's going to be a plug. That's be a